we are ready to go. There's Mountain Dew Code Red all over my shirt now. Dude. <laughs> Whoopsie. Why? Why, Yeah, man? that's how we're opening an episode. <laughs> uh, my episode, to be specific. Yep. Awesome, great. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. I'm not Tim. And I'm not Tony. That, we'll yeah, that works out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something <laughs> out eventually. We'll get that. Nah, I had to look, I had to looking up the uh, schedule and everything, Tony. This episode drops on November 21st, and this is also lucky episode number 13, so dun-dun-dun. So we get to overeat on Thanksgiving on a bad, bad number. Okay, yeah, great. So, no, no repercussions that, on that. And as it is, you know, it is number 21st. <clears throat> this should be no surprise. The uh, past 10 episodes or so, we have definitely done, uh, we'll be doing, uh, Pre-recorded. Pre-recorded, done in advance sort of thing, just due to the holidays coming up. Yeah, because my my wedding anniversary, my birthday, and my wife's birthday are all in the same month. Yeah, you have October as your thing. And then November comes around, then we have Thanksgiving. And and, then Christmas. And then the Christmas holiday season. So so in order to do that, the next several episodes after this is just going to be us. Some of it may sound like we have no ideas or whatever. That's just us in general. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the norm. But it's just so that way we both will be able to spend time with our families, friends, and loved ones. So that way, you know, we don't have to be bogged down in this. Get terrorized by a seven-month-old child. That's great. <laughs> it's great fun. That's great your fun. thing. Yeah. So since this, so this is just a few days before Thanksgiving. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your friends and family. Have some lovely turkey, or if you're... Not if you're a vegetarian now, just have some delicious food. Doesn't matter what you gotta eat. Just enjoy just your eat time. Food and be fat with it. And be happy with yourselves, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> now we're gonna talk about turkeys. Turkeys, you say? Gobble gobble, motherfuckers. <laughs> I just thought of Samuel L. Jackson, but instead of snakes on a plane, it's turkeys on a plane. How am I gonna? Mm. <laughs> I've had it with these Monday to Friday uh, turkeys and this Monday to Friday plane. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, we're going to talk about one of my favorite film franchises to a degree. But first, we're going to start off with pretty much what kicked it all off. We're going to talk about dinosaurs. Dinosaurs? Dino DNA. Dino DNA. We're going to talk about a couple of, um, I was going to say hidden gems. <laughs> like it's a music podcast no we're going to talk about a couple of alleged surviving members of the dinosaur arc yeah and then um gonna segue into the jurassic park film series and why it probably wouldn't work and why it shouldn't ever be done in okay. general because okay. you know indominus rex wasn't a bad enough idea oh <clears throat> yeah indoraptor The first three were better. Fight me. <laughs> so, we'll kick off with um, the one I could find the least information about, because that's how I'm going to work on this. Good man. We're going to talk about, and actually if my computer decides to work for me, the Kongama, Kongamato. The Kongamato. Yes. I think I'm familiar with this one. I'll let you just take over the reins. Um, it is, I'm assuming, Zambezi? Whatever the language is that translate that to overwhelmer of boats. It's basically a small 
or large pterosaur that has been allegedly haunting the Juindo Swamp uh, in northern Zambini, Zambia. Yeah. I'll get that right eventually. Um, God, the information on this one is so contrasting. It is two ends of the spectrum. Oh, you have my attention now. Well, there's some that say it's kind of a bird or lizard, you know, basically describing a pterosaur. Yeah. Wingspan ranging from four feet to seven feet in some eyewitness accounts to over a hundred feet. Oh, yeah. that is that is a very, mm-hmm. very large size difference. It goes from being a four-foot-tall baby to that hundred-foot wing parent. I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. Um, obviously, general description, it's, it's covered in skin, more bat-like, you know, membranic wings rather than feathers, the typical yeah. pterosaur stuff. The pictures I have seen, it looks like a... I believe it's a Ramphoricus. Ramphoricus. Yes. Um, or not a Dimorphodon, but almost almost a skinless archae- or a featherless Archaeopteryx. There it is. Yeah, somewhere in that spectrum. Yep, I've seen those same ones. It has that <clears throat> has that pointed beak with teeth. Yeah, the diamond spade tail, you know, all that stuff. Some of them don't have the tail. Yeah, some of them don't even have a tail. So, like I said, the least information, because there's such, you know, Four to a hundred foot wingspan and then tail, no tail. Yeah. Has there have there been any uh, any attempts like what people may have actually been seeing, like large bats, perhaps? Well, I figure we'll uh, we'll cap off its segment like that, and I'll just sort of go through the sightings and references. Okay. But the lore is few people see a Kagamato, a Kangamatata. Kangamata. Akuna Matata. <laughs> it means no worries. Um, it itself is invulnerable and immortal. Of eating course. any projectile thrown at it and leaving no physical trace of itself behind. When it kills people, it devours only the two little fingers and two little toes, earlobes, and nostrils. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's a oh, very picky eater, apparently. Oh, okay. It, it tr- truly pinky swear is what this thing is all about. I swear to God, this computer. <laughs> yeah. Keeps going back to the first tab, man. First tab. Your computer's haunted, I think. Um, it's decrepit and senile. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, that said, you know, about it being a picky eater, four deaths have been attributed to the Kanga Matau in 1911, but they didn't record any such mutilations. Uh-huh. So more, more, more likely than um, the Kakamatao caused their deaths by the flooding of the Matondo River near Lufum, Lufumatunga. So scavenge, scavenger hunting or something. Of yeah, that, nature. that sounds about right. Like if a flood happened and then this this um, off. lizard bird came over and took over, you know, was eating the. Dead, the dead yeah. pokes like that's very much a scavenger that's a that's a vulture so basically it's an immortal invulnerable scat turkey or turkey vulture good god See, I, I got turkey in there somewhere you so got I the know. turkey in there that's <clears throat> our thanksgiving that's our thanksgiving tie-in everybody everybody gets one <laughs> um but to ward off the kagamato attack the charm known as a muchiwa kagamato is used uh-huh 
This thing, it, this charm is consists of a mulendi tree root ground and mixed with water, and the resulting place is place or the resulting paste is placed in a bark cup. When crossing a dangerous ford, the mixture is sprinkled onto the water using a bundle of mulendi bark strips. Like I said, the lack of information on this thing is that harrowing. I'm, I'm I'm not even gonna lie. My, my I I went into a very dumb place in my thoughts. I'm slowly allowing the intrusive thoughts to take over. This is making you're saying that there's this paste in a bowl and it's used to ward off this this alleged demon bird thing. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it makes me think of Ace Ventura too when nature calls when he has the damn bowls with guano. Like I'm just thinking of that right now and I'm going Chicago in my head right now. Alrighty then. Yep. That's where my brain's at, Tony. <laughs> so, the only, I guess, reliable, quote-unquote, referencing for uh, any sightings of this thing at all uh-huh. were in a 1923 book by um, F.H. Melland, M-E-L-L-A-N-D, uh, published by the J.B. Lippincott Company in Philadelphia. And it's it's called the book is called In Witchbound Africa, which not off to a great start. No, that's very much a nineteen twenties thought. Yeah, very much so. I'm looking. At, it said F H uh, Melland. You said, yeah, F H Melland. Uh, I'm looking at that. Right. Does he look like he has mutton chops and is an explorer with a with the tan pants? No, he had. No, I'm looking at a photo of him right now. His traveling clothes, as it is described, oh, uh, he has, he looks a little bit like if Walt Disney was a big game hunter. I can see that. I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'm going to send you the photo. <clears throat> but he looks very much like if Walt Disney was a, uh, yeah. a big game hunter. Like he's, he, he's just standing there, <sighs> our hands on his hips, wearing. Oh, wow. Yeah, you see. Am I not wrong in my description? He looks like one of my coworkers, honestly. <laughs> Shout out to random coworker number two. <laughs> Those pants couldn't get any higher. Oh, uh, yeah, no, he can... British sure turn around, he can see everything. Those knee bones, though, sir. Those knee bones. <laughs> my goodness, sir. I'm getting the vapors over here. <laughs> um, but basically, in his expert, or S... Excerpt. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that claimed it was a 100-foot wingspan, I believe. Of course. So, Why am I not surprised <clears throat> that it is a white man in Africa saying, Why, yes, there is indeed a bird-like creature with a 100-foot wingspan. 1,000-foot wingspan. <laughs> that was 50 feet one way, 50 feet the I other. I killed it with my shoe. And it is gonna, and it would I be feel like, like that. I segued into a little bit, a little bit of James May and Richard Hammond on that. <laughs> it killed it with. Oh, I killed oh, it. it. I killed it with my shoe. Um, laptop stopped. Oh, it's back in. Oh, we're good. We're good. We're good, guys. Yeah, no, everyone, I'm good. Put, this is going in the show notes. Also, Tony's <laughs> laptop is possessed. No, it's just decrepit and senile. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I'm. It's. Shout out to the website slash reference I'm using. Um, a book of creatures dot com has a is where I got most of the information from. Oh boy, they're they're 
cover of this thing is... Looks like a Star Wars creature. What the hell? Uh, that thing mm-hmm. looks like... That thing looks like a leafy... Looks like a red leafy sea dragon gone into space now. Yeah. So, Damn, dude. So, yeah. That's the cool descriptions looking. are a little vague. They all maintain, though, that it is winged and... Winged and it preys on people. And, and, and invincible. Yeah, apparently. Like that one dude from that one James Bond movie. I am invincible! Yeets out of the plane. I'm fine. <laughs> but, yeah. So, my thoughts on it being it's Africa in the 1900s and 1920s. It's probably a bat. Or Um, some big-ass predatory bird. It would have to be. So, I'm going to try and stick with the theme of sort of to end cap every animal. Because I'm more the cryptic guy than you, and you're more the creep me out with serial killers guy. There's a bunch of stuff that I... Yeah, well, we don't have to talk about that, do we now? I want to get into my, my encyclopedia that I have. But I figure I'll sort of end, end cap each one with... What you it, think it it's is. It's not real or what it could have been. And honestly, the African fruit fly, or flying fruit bat thing. I think I said all the right words in the right order. Yeah. Those things, have, I think they can get wingspans of up to like 14 feet. I don't think bats get... I don't think they get that there's, big. There's one species that gets monstrously big. I'm going to look real quick just because I like to do this. But, yeah, some sort of bat. Not necessarily a you know a vampire, bloodsucker, monster, but just a big bat. If, you know. Or a predatory bird, an eagle, a falcon, a hawk, something like that. A vulture, even. Especially with the description of what it liked to eat. You know. The giant golden crowned flying fox <clears throat> flying is, fox, is possibly it. the largest bat in the world with a wingspan averaging more than five feet long. Okay, so not even that. And, so. it weigh, and it weighs up to three pounds, making it one of the heaviest recorded bats. So, yeah. And to sort of backtrack a little bit back into my gigantism episode, mm-hmm. 1920s Africa was a little bit more wild than it was nowadays. I'll say this though. The only thing is, is that this bat, it's not native to. It's not native to Africa. Exactly. It's actually in the Philippines. Yeah, but sort of not defending what a, you know a fourteen foot wingspan bat, but that could have been more of a possibility back in the nineteen aughts and twenties mm-hmm. when there was less pollution, less infra and infractioning onto the wilderness and the habitats of these creatures that allowed them to get bigger. I I could believe that. So, I, I also do believe... Did they say the attacks happened at night or during the day? It didn't specify. Mm. And honestly, if there were four reported deaths in 1911... Yeah. Eh, someone just wrote down what they thought. I'm also cautious on some of that because, I mean... Uh, uh, just speaking, there's also a bunch of, like, you know, I'm... Um, spiritual yeah there's like, a lot of superstition yeah but... a lot of the old religions in africa had these deities and these demis gods demi creatures that were just creatures you know? yeah i mean the nordics with all the wolves and dragons they have you know half of the old religions consist of animals because that's what you pray to to hope you didn't get eaten by said creature pretty much like and if there was a seven foot, you know, four foot to hundred foot wingspan immortal flying demon bird, like I'd pray for, you know, let me pass on the river too. 
Yeah. Like, no kidding. I mean, that's the most logical thing to do in that scenario if that's all you know. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's sort of the same thing. I'm going to ruin my own fun. As much as I'd love to see living dinosaurs, Kangamato, Kangamato is not one of them. Yeah. I, I have a feeling it was just a large predatory bird. I may have been going through a molt, uh, not mulching. Molt. Molting. Molting, yeah. Well, molting's when the feathers go away. I also would have to say that, hell, they could have been, they, humans could have literally been encroaching on territory. Like, mm-hmm. when, like we, we, we live in Oklahoma, and yeah. every summer, without fail, the Mississippi kites show up. Yeah. You step into their territory, they are dive-bombing your ass. We have two nests in my backyard. So that We actually be... had a fledgling fall out of the tree, and he didn't know how to fly yet, and I had to drive all the way from where I live down to south of you to mm. Slaughterville to the animal hospital. Jeez. Yeah, that was a day. Man, a lot. I was I on can... the road most of the day that day. <laughs> Man. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, and we've had, I mean, those kites will dive bomb them. Yes. Out of you. Yeah, no, I've seen them dive bomb. I've been swooped on a few times. <clears throat> yeah. not, and man, those birds just, <laughs> so. No would, F's given. It wouldn't surprise me if there were, if there, if you know, people were just encroaching upon nests or something. Yeah, and it could have just been, I mean, yeah, any bird of prey or scavenger bird, you know, could have been just a big bat. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that one's kind of the opening act um and then the next one this one's gonna kind of go back into uh i think i know i I remember talking about the titan boa yeah back in the and it's down again all right (laughs) technical difficulties that worked (laughs) that worked Tony, it's like an old Harley. You gotta hit it a couple times to make it work. Tony just tapped the table. That was that loud thump before my laughing, and <clears throat> the, his laptop is working again. Yeah. So this one, um, is I'm gonna cite my sources as I'm going through them, but it's something.com. Um, the Congo giant snake. Kind of another possible living fossil scenario. And this one actually has a picture. I don't think I've actually heard of this one. So, oh, wow, I actually have something on you for once. Yeah, no, when it came to, like, when it came to giant snakes, the only one that ever really came up was the giant anaconda. Yeah. But I never thought of a giant Congo snake. So, uh, yeah. do tell, do tell. So, um, not wholly viable, because, again, happened way back in the day, but... Not the 19 aughts. 1959. 1959. A little bit older. Okay. Uh, little, little, little more um, closer. Colonel Remy van Lierd, um was a Belgian pilot who served during World War II in the Belgian and British and the in the uh, RAF. Nice. And just to give, you know, filler on this guy, because um, he actually had a pretty cool history, um, shot down six enemy aircraft and 44 V-1 flying bombs. Dude. Achieving the the RAF rank of squadron leader. In 58, he became one of the first Belgians to break the sound barrier while testing a Hawker Hunter at Dunsfield Aerodrome in England. No kidding. Yeah. Um, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Van Leeuwen was made Deputy Chief of Staff to the Ministry of Defense in 53. 
He's considered a World War II hero, and obviously with that kill count, he was an ace. Remy Van Liert. I'm looking the sky. L-I-E-R-D-E. I, I guess that much. Oh, my goodness. That, damn, dude. Mm-hmm. And... Let me guess. Big old mustache. No. Very much a clean-shaven individual, which makes sense. Oh, yeah, because... the RAF didn't like... Yeah, no, the whole, the whole, facial hair went out of style when mustard gas was invented during, when mustard gas was invented, they had to keep the gas masks on, so there was no point for having facial hair at all in the military anymore, minus a well-trimmed mustache. Yeah. And even then, and not, not like, well, not when I say well-trimmed, I don't mean like curls like mine, like a, a, a square, very policeman's. Yeah. Chevron style mustache. Yes. So, and timeline for him um he was born august 14th 1915 passed away june 19 or june 8th 1990 so he was 75 yeah i can do math 74 74 close enough yeah, yeah he's off by whatever. a couple months um so yeah quite a person to if someone's gonna account for some weird creature he's not gonna make make stuff up i would one think no, no, man. I'm, I'm, I actually found his Wikipedia page. Nice. And I was like, oh, this is this guy's got quite the uh, so he's got quite the stuff here. In 1959, as a full full bird colonel, he commanded the airbase at Kamina in the African Congo. Um, while he was there in the Katanga region of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, he was returning from a mission via helicopter. He encountered a giant Congo snake emerging from a hole as he flew over the forest. If you're flying a helicopter and you see something of that magnitude moving, it's probably a pretty good-sized creature, I would think. No kidding. Um, He described it as being somewhere between 25 to 50 feet. That's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Not even trying to make a pun on the distance there. I'm just like, that's a stretch on time, on on the size. Yeah. But there are varying accounts written down that he was saying 25 feet. There are some saying he was saying 50 feet. So the measurement's up in there. But he turned around, got lower, and made some passes on it to get photographs. Mm-hmm. And there are photographs. Um, I have actually looked at a couple of these. I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I do see the snake that they are talking about. But... I, I have some of my, uh, I have some of my, uh, uh, my, my, uh, my skepticism is yeah. kicking in just a little bit because I'm looking at the photo, I'm looking at the photo and everything around the snake seems to be blurry, but the snake seems clear as day. I think that, and, and I mean, not it could to, be... not to trounce the skepticism cause I'm on the fence about it too, but. If I'm looking at the same picture as you, it looks like that one. I've got a clearer version. Uh, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's but similar it looking looks, one. The surrounding area of it, because yours is a little bit more zoomed. Yes. Like it that looks one, yes. like it's sort of a a deforested area. Yeah, like like a like a uh, like a a, a, like a, a barren strip. trail, like yeah. a, like a cattle trail or something. Yeah. So. It's kind of hard to make a judgment call on size because there's nothing to really compare it to exactly. conveniently. Exactly. That's that, that's where I have also skeptical. It was like, 
it, it, li- it truly looks like if a worm has just come out of the water, out of the ground during a during a rainy yeah. season. Like that's what it looks like. But uh, Van Leeuwen claims that as he flew lower for a closer inspection, the snake rose up approximately ten feet, giving the impression it was going to strike at the helicopter. Jeez. And to quote him, I feel and I'm convinced if I had been in rain in its range, it would have struck at me. So. Um, he described it as having a dark shade of green and brown with a white colored belly. Claimed the snake's feet head was probably three foot, four foot wide. Jaws were in the traditional snake triangular shape of a python of a constrictor type breed. Mm-hmm. He was considered a reliable witness. Testimony was convincing. Depiction of the creature was realistic and familiar to snake experts. So... Uh- I'm having to look at something. I had to make sure on this one. Uh, I thought about this. Um, when it comes to snakes, I, he said triangular head. Mm-hmm. Uh, a triangular head and a snake, like a generally triangular head. Uh, Is that more venom type? Or venom? Some can be, but there are others that all... But there's like, you know, water snakes and brown snakes and garter snakes yeah. that all have the... But they are not, but they are not poisonous. Yeah. So... Apparently, head shape is not a. Di- so I'm, I I write that as like, I you know, just, that's probably just outdated stuff that's still rattling in my brain from those zoo books that I. No used kidding, to get. man. Like I legit, but, like I truly just, I truly just debunked my own skepticism right there with yeah. the, all the sni- all all triangular snaked heads are venomous. No, yeah. they're not. Yeah, because I was under the impression the more triangular the head, it was more constrictor, or like you know garden snake, and the more oval-ish yeah the it, the more venomous nah it's reverse those actually okay. but so multiple experts and zoologists have analyzed the photos um verified them as authentic so verified the size of the serpent by comparison analysis to the ground features around the snake what ground features though and that's my <laughs> issue like again <laughs> so, again the snake is Again, the snake is clear. Everything else around it's fairly blurry. And again, yeah. it's a black and white photograph. So sure, you're gonna lose definition. So we, they, there may be features that they could pay attention to back then that we can't see now because resolution sucks yeah. when you try to turn something but, 48, 848, 482, you know, 1040. But um, the resounding, um. I just lost the word for it. Analysis. Uh-huh. The, the, it boils down to most people believe that it was an anaconda of some nature. But anacondas aren't native to Africa, if I remember correctly. I was going to say that. Um, I believe... I believe there's a couple species of boas or pythons, but anacondas, are, I think, are strictly South, South American. The Central African rock python is a... That one's a smaller breed, though, if I remember right. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, go ahead and keep talking. I'm going to be here but, for a minute. Yeah. There, the pythons, the, the range of these Pacific pythons, the python sebe, as it is, that's the the the, uh, the Latin name. There we go. Yeah. My brain shut off. Uh, <laughs> it's, in, it's in the Congo. Like, it's where the Congo okay, would so be. So that could have been. Uh, so, yeah. Go ahead. Let's see. One of the eight is one of the eight... Is Africa's largest snake 
and one of the eight largest snake species in the world. Okay. Along with green anaconda, reticulated python, Burmese, South African rock python, and so on and so forth. Yeah. They may approach or exceed six meters or 20 feet in length. So. Well, and actually, you know what? When we were in Colorado, we took a small vacation to Colorado. We went to the... Uh, I want to butcher the name. I think it was Rocky Mountain Zoo. It's literally, it's a zoo set into into the mountains. Oh, cool. It was really well done, too. But they had a small reptile area, and they had two reticulated pythons. Uh Uh-huh. And one was um, that yellow and white combination. The other one was the traditional, you know, brown and black with a little green in it. Mm. Um, The female which was the traditional colored one, was, I think they said they measured her in 2021. And she was pushing 18 feet. And the male, the yellow and white, was 16. Yeah. A couple years younger. So, I mean, it's possible i mean that's a massive snake regardless oh no and i'm i'm looking at a bunch of these different photos of these pythons of mm-hmm. the of these uh, south rock pythons uh the central african rock python is the more specific one they do have the brown markings and they do have a white underbelly so uh, i mean he may have just found a massive specimen of a rock python this may have been the this may have been the grandpa for all yeah. of this may have been the grandma but, or something yeah but it, it's sort of a living fossil, sort of not, because snakes have pretty much sort of the ways of crocodiles and alligators haven't changed much. No. Um, only thing really has been the size, but it'd be it'd be terrifying to see it, but it'd be awesome to see it at the same time. Oh yeah, you know? no it it would be it would very much be a thing of both terror and beauty. Yeah. So not so much a living fossil but more of an extension of my gigantism specimens. Mm-hmm. But also sort of tying in with the Titan boa and with it being a close proximity to the combination of the two genres of animals. So, yeah, I just thought it was a nice little segue from one into the other. And I just, I love giant snakes. I hate seeing them, but I love hearing and talking about them yeah yeah as long as they're behind a glass pane i'm fine but i don't like snakes out in the wild (laughs) especially not the congo giant snake oof that'd be god i couldn't i can't imagine being in a helicopter and being like that might reach me yeah no you're in a helicopter like you have the sky (laughs) and it's still like yeah but it could still get me oh Computer's down again. How many times is that now? <laughs> uh, I've lost track. And if you're drinking while keeping up with this, goodbye to your liver. I'm sorry. Goodbye I'm sorry. to your, goodbye to your liver. Please don't. Please don't be drinking into this, everybody. You will hate yourself if you do. Unlike me, but it's not liquor. Nah, we're drinking water and actually, you know, being hydrated for this. So, last one before I get into the main attraction of this subject, and then onto the discussion. Panel. 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 No, no. Tananamen. <laughs> hate you. Um, the Papua New Guinea Iguanodon. The Papua New Guinea Iguanodon. Just straight up an actual dinosaur. Yeah. Um, 
So a little background for anyone that's dinosaur inept. Illiterate would be a good word. Yeah. Um, Iguanodon means iguana tooth. Uh, One plus one equals fish. Um, Herbivorous. Tim, we want to take that word? Herbivorous. (laughs) Herbivorous. It eats plants. (laughs) (laughs) Got you on that one, didn't I? (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't drinking when you did that. I would have absolutely been spitting it up everywhere. Um, Was a plant-eating dinosaur that lived during the mid-Jurassic to the Cretaceous period. Been extinct for millions of years. Or not. Or not indeed. Um, In the remote forests of Papua New Guinea, dinosaur-like creatures have been sighted multiple occasions. I believe it's the same area where the giant sloth has been spotted, too, so... Uh, The the giant sloth-like creature is actually down in uh, Brazil, I think. Oh, yeah, it is Brazil. Mapanguari. I'm I'm mixing up my tropical forests. Yeah, no, way off. Now, uh, the... But what does you know, what does an iguanodon look like? Um. So if you've ever seen Jurassic Parks, any of them really, um, the Parasaurolophus, the big trumpet-headed one, the Elvis-looking fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Uh. What? What's his face called? Roland Tembo. Yeah, Roland Tembo. What's he? Yeah, he get called Elvis. Him. Elvis. Elvis. Go get Elvis, and then go get Fire Tuck for the. For the packy, the packy stuff. For... Ah, hell, fry a tuck with a bald spot. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. That, but it looks like that. But the one big trait about the iguanodons that was that's made it more of an icon because it was actually one of the first dinosaurs really discovered. Mm-hmm. The thumb spike they have. Yeah. Oh, there, there's that. There, Ooh, there's that thought. movie. Disney. Disney had a movie come out in yep, 2000. Dinosaur. dinosaur. Yep. Those are iguanodons. Yes. That. So that's what the we're looking at here. The main character and the main romance or iguanodons so if you want to know what those look like just look up disney's dinosaur and that's what iguana that's what iguanodon is they've got that big thumb spike in 2004 it was a supposedly spotted living in a swamp of thick green plants i hate my computer loves going back to that first tab city um near the ruined city of rabul rabul r-a-b-a-u-l rabble 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 um, that city was destroyed in a volcanic eruption 10 years prior, so in 1994 it was destroyed. It had a Vesuvius moment. It had a Vesuvius. If Vesuvius did pants, it's pants. Are, are you Crazy? okay? No, I'm not. Are you okay? What did I put in this Mountain Dew? What didn't you... If, if Vesu, Are you okay? No, I'm not. As Nothing's your friend. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Nothing's okay. Nothing is fine. <laughs> Villagers supposedly spotted the creature running away from the uh, eruption. I mean, I would hope so, and that it wasn't running towards it. But, so, allegedly iguanodons, um, when they were on all fours, were about nine foot tall. And then on their hind legs, probably, I would imagine, about 20, somewhere in that range. Mm, possibly. Just for size referencing. Height, yeah, because um, going on the heights. Villagers reported it was about three feet tall, gray, and had a head like a dog and a tail like a crocodile. Head like a dog, tail like a crocodile. Mm-hmm. So a wide tail. It was three feet tall. So, our, so if you say it's nine foot at the shoulder on all fours, it's a baby. Yeah. Or a young one, at least. 
Or it could be a, you know, a pygmy dinosaur, all we know. Yeah, I mean, environment given, reverse of gigantism, dwarfism. Yes. Maybe not pygmy. That that, yeah. that word can be a negative connotation now, I think. Uh, well, I mean, in this, in zoological, not, I wouldn't think, because, I mean, the pygmy hippopotamus. and Good point, and the pygmy so, dolphins and whales. Not yeah, used, yeah. not pygmy isn't being, and dwarfism isn't being used as a negative connotation. It's literally just the biological and zoological description of these creatures so okay yeah no no means to offend if it is but yeah. that is no i i got the you. correct terminology yeah. in this scenario in this scenario yeah i was i was i was legitimately like is it yeah well i'm six four i don't know uh-huh and, I'm, yeah <laughs> yeah you're six four you fucking giant so yeah if it was it was either due to the environment making it adapt or it was just a smaller one a, a yeah toddler of sword guanodon is thought to be strictly <laughs> plant eater <laughs> plant eating um this creature has actually been re- spotted and reported to have eaten three different dogs wait oh, what which makes me think about this photo i've seen um in of uh cows in australia eating snakes for the nutrients yeah Cows in Australia eat snakes. Eating snakes. Yeah, look it up. Okay. Google Google that shit. I'm going to Google that shit. What the? Okay, cow. Australian cow. I'm just waiting for Tim's reaction to the picture that I know is there. Uh, uh, damn it! Eating snake. Australian cow. Cow caught chewing on large python in outback northern Australia. That's a black Angus cow. Yeah. That's and it is eating a Yeah, it's for the nutrients. How the how the turntables <laughs> How the turntables on you How the turns have been tabled. A, 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 an appropriate the one of the first words I see when I'm reading this, a gobsmacked outback worker. Yes, uh, and it, for the nutrients? Yeah. Snake snacks are not unheard of, apparently. Yeah, that's no, a, that's a thing. It's Australia. What do you think? Everything in Australia really is topsy-turvy. What the hell? If we have any hell? listeners on, in Australia, why? What is wrong with <laughs> your fauna down there? And your flora. Like, let's be honest, there's probably some things that eat people that are plants. I mean, have you you've seen Jumanji? Australia is Jumanji. Yeah, just less humid. Yeah, because that... Uh, yeah. It's a dry heat. Mm. No, you live in hell. Hell is where you live. Unless they have the monsoons come in. Or is it... They do get they do get some rain in certain areas. But anyway, before... The rain we, will kill you. Lordy. <laughs> um, a little rain won't hurt. Yeah, but a lot can kill you. God. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Iguanodon supposedly to have eaten three dogs, maybe for the nutrients. <laughs> I, uh, I... I'm just... Okay, I, I'm going to say something here. Dog dog is not actually something you would want to eat. Not because it's man's best friend or anything, but quite literally, when it comes to, like, nutrition-wise, dog meat, not exactly, not that good. I mean, if it's all you have, though. <laughs> but the, it's always, like, dead dogs. It's always, like, dead dogs. Like, we had Mothman, the dog, there was a dog that got killed. There's three dogs with this stinking iguana dawn thing. <laughs> Iguana the Dawn. I got, I've got enough with you that I think you cannot refuse. You first have to spike in the neck. You have to first walk into this uh, exploding volcano for you. 
Okay. And uh-huh. then and then my buddy Spike here, he's gonna take his thumb spike and he's gonna spike you there in the neck, and you're gonna bleed out slowly. I'm like, okay. No, no, recite the rest of the movie like that, please. That's all I had. <laughs> I had nothing else. Um, there's also uh, groups of sightings in '99. Large creature was seen lading, waiting, waiting, <sighs> ladling. Ladle, ladle, ladle. <laughs> seen waiting in Lake Murray. The next day, a Seventh Day Adventist pastor reports seeing. I said that with a little bit of curl to it. <laughs> you went right into it, man. He's some guy that follows religion. Um, some pastor reported seeing a creature with a body as a garb. Okay, that I didn't have a stroke. It doesn't have words. Say that again, please. The next day, a Seventh-day Adventist pastor reported seeing a creature with a body as a garbage truck. As a garbage truck. It was cosplaying. <laughs> a garbage, a body like a garbage truck. As a, yeah. Standing on two legs. You stupid computer! <laughs> Whoever's keeping tab, don't worry about it. Don't. I wouldn't keep tabs. Now I lost my place. Thanks a lot, computer. Hmm. <laughs> There it is. I found it. Don't worry. It was standing on two legs. Um, He reported that it had a cow's head. What is with this wording? He reported that he had a cow's head like and a crocodile tail. Uh, What what year was this again? 99. 1999. Reported that the creature had a cow like head and a crocodile tail with a look of a crocodile, just scaly in general. Okay, I found it on Cryptid Wiki. Creature was described as having a body as long as a dumb truck, reported a long neck and long slender legs, and two hind legs thick as coconut palm tree trunks, two smaller forelegs, the head was similar in shape to a cow's head, large eyes and sharp teeth as long as fingers. What the hell? Yeah. I'm just, <clears throat> just based on... Oh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my brain's hurting reading that description. So, yeah. But then, one of the mutual shows we, uh, borderline worshipped for a hot minute, uh, Destination Truth. Yeah, I remember that show. Shout to Josh Gates, please be a sponsor. Please come host with us. <laughs> <laughs> I always appreciated that show, mostly just due to, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not very much a skeptic and a lot of that stuff, but yeah. it was nice to actually... Because that wasn't just like a, a monster show; it was also a travel show. Yeah, and we got to actually he plugged in the place he was going. He went. He he got into the culture. Yeah, he was like, which a, is what I love about him. He's actually entertaining, and he he was like a monster hunting Anthony Bourdain. If I had to be honest, I was gonna say um, the weird food guy, Andrew Zimmern. Yeah, Zimmern, because Bourdain was not a pleasant person. He was kind of. <laughs> I've kind of wa- I watched some of uh, Bourdain's stuff, and he he had his opinions, but he was also he was also like he would ask a question that what food reminds you of your childhood, and I was like, okay, I I kind of can appreciate this guy a little on a. This turned into a weird cooking where, channel. Where are we getting episode? into? We are really derailing a little here. But anyway, anyway, anyway back to it. Truth. Destination um, Truth. Josh Gates, awesome guy. Go. Please Jesus. sponsor. Yes. <laughs> First season episode, they actually went to Papua New Guinea to study this iguanodon. His team was actually shown bones 
fought to be a Vigwanodon at the Papua New Guinea University. Also conducted obvious re- or research firsthand in the swamp that was reported to be seen. Upon returning to the U.S., they consulted zoological experts and showed the evidence they were exam- or they were shown. You know, the bones, any video evidence, and stuff like that they found. Experts actually said that the bones are probably from a sperm whale. Okay. And then the creature they caught on tape is actually probably just a saltwater crocodile hunting. So. And you don't want to be around a salt. Oh, God, no. I remember the crocodile hunter. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> no. The original don't mess around with that. Funny you mentioned Steve Irwin. Another side tangent. This rest episode, in peace. Besides the rest in peace, I was just flipping through, I was just flipping through, you know, Instagram and everything, and uh, there was... Sometimes I just have random videos of people, random videos from different accounts you don't follow. Like, maybe follow this person. And it was Steve Irwin being interviewed, and the interview was like, uh, have you ever had cap- Have you ever had uh, coffee? He's like, nah, man, nah, I had coffee one time, and man, if I had coffee again, top of my head blow up all. Blow yeah, up I off. remember that interview. And, and he, he had coffee once and ten years prior. Is, and Terry's just sitting next to him like, yeah, don't. And, <laughs> and he had coffee once ten years before the interview, and he says, I still haven't come down from it. Yep. I'm like, that's Steve Irwin. I'm like, that, oh, man, I that, miss him. That man was a treasure. That man was the antithesis of a good person. The, the, uh, the, he was, no, he was the, yeah, not the, the antithesis of the opposite. Oh, the epitome. I know words. You're, yeah, thinking, the you're thinking the epitome. epitome. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm catching it. Like, he's not the antithesis. Unlike this computer, which is the antithesis of me. <laughs> stupid mother. <laughs> so, to kind of, I, I know we kind of just debunked it with Destination Truth and then with it's an iguanodon that survived over 65 million years, like an entire population. There more. would have to be an entire population. And then the fact is, if it were millions of years, there would have to, you, there would have to be, there would be more bone evidence than just some sperm whale stuff that washed ashore carcasses. And also there would have had to have been for that millions of years. It would have had to have been at least a small, you know, 20 to a hundred thousand. I want to say in order for a proper population to continue mm-hmm. without without inbreeding yeah so and papua new guinea is not a large i mean it's a good size island but it's not like australia now like you would have seen something by now yeah but to sort of build up papua new guinea a little bit and to lay lay out how well forested it is you know despite you know people (laughs) um if Iguanodon was still to exist today, New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, would be the, I, almost the ideal place. Because between the years of 2000 to 2009, I'll let you guess, because you will not get the right number. Guess how many species have been discovered in that nine-year time period? Nine-year time period. And that's including you know, <clears throat> plants, insects, you know, everything. New I'm, species. You know what? I'm going to give a big number. A thousand. Not a thousand. hundred thousand. Nineteen thousand. Nineteen thousand. In a nine-year period, nineteen thousand new species. That, just in Papua New Guinea. That is impressive. Granted, like I said, fungi, plants, insects. Yes. All that, but a lot of, still. A lot of, lot of small stuff. But Not, also... 
full ant, like full sized, you know, mammals and lizards. And yeah. That stuff like that. Um, and to sort of expand on that, the coelacanth. Yeah. That is a living fossil. Oh, big time. I remember. Went extinct and then got discovered again in 30, 1938. I remember the coelacanth. That yes. one, that one for me, that one, I. I've always wanted to see one. Yeah, like I would love if they if we had a small population we had in zoos or aquariums. That'd be so cool. I would. That's on my bucket list, animal wise. Like I want to see a coelacanth. Yeah, they are truly a living fossil that has yeah. been. That, and and but, the uh, but the down, but the issue is though is of course that uh, they live at such deep um, depths. Mm-hmm. They live at such depths. Uh, I think the pressures would be. I think the pressures up here would be difficult for them to to reside in. Yeah, you'd have to get a specialized tank. You'd you'd have to do all sorts of measures just to get one up safely. Uh huh. Funny enough, uh, you know the movie Atlantis. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of coelacanth in the tank yeah. of Mr. Whitmore. Yep, I remember seeing that. But this is before. But this was done, and this takes place in the 1920s before the. That's the theory: is that he actually in. You know, in canon, in that universe, he found them originally and just didn't tell anyone. <laughs> that seems like a Mr. Whitmore thing, like the way he was. Yeah, like, no, I knew about these for 18 years beforehand. Why didn't you tell anyone? Didn't feel like it. That's... That was a really good impersonation. I You you actually did sound like... You did sound like his actor. Well done. <laughs> um, and another living fossil I wanted to just touch on, because I have a little statue I got from my grandfather of one. Oh, shoot. Um, the Tuatara. The Tuatara. T-U-A-T-A-R-A. Oh, I'm, I'm listening. Um, it's a reptile endemic to New Zealand. Um, oh! Yeah, oh, you I've remember s- those. Yeah, now you're getting, like, childhood flashbacks. No, now. no, I've, I've seen some of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, the Living tu- fossil. The Tuatara is, like, legitimately the only thing that is a Tuatara. Yeah. Like, to, to describe it. It's sort of it, like red pandas, like... It looks... it. It truly looks like a miniature. It looks like a chibi iguana. Yeah, like a chibi iguana. It's, and it's like Tim said, it is. It's closely related to lizards, but it's its own segment off the evolutionary chain. It's and the the taxonomy and evolution branch. I've got you know birds, and then split off from them a little further back are crocodiles and alligators. And then you got lizards and snakes that branched off sort of in the same area. And then you got tutaros, which are in a whole little branch on their own. Yeah, no, I've seen these, and they are only in... I've, they're I've only s- in New Zealand. I've only seen photos of these, as in. I've not seen them in, like, they're not going to get out of New Zealand. No. But, yeah, I mean, they've remained unchanged since the Triassic. That, wow. Not the Cretaceous, not the, the first dinosaur era, the Triassic period. Yeah, no kidding. Um... And actually, now looking at the the specs, like it's a car, <laughs> the, the size of these creatures, the little statue I have from my grandfather is about right. It's a 30, they run roughly 31 inches head to tail, weigh about three pounds. I didn't know you even had that. Yeah, I'm, God, I don't even know where I put it anymore. It's, I think it's somewhere in my office, but yeah, I got that back when I was really into dinosaurs and... My grandpa was like, eh, "It's a lizard. It's close enough." Yeah, thirty-one <laughs> feet, like thirty-one inches. That's 
That's not a small... That's just shy of three feet long. Yeah. That's not a small lizard. So, yeah, it's a good-sized little lizard. But, time to get to the main event and the last one before we go into the discussion topic. Shoot. Mokele Membe. Ah, this bad boy. Yeah, this guy. And boy, I, I went to Wikipedia and I uh, spiraled on that one a little bit. Went down a couple of rabbit holes. Um, on the Mokele Mbembe Wikipedia page, they have a link towards the reptilian conspiracy theory page. Oh. The lizard people. Oh, <laughs> like, God. I'm not touching that. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, no. I mean, I rabbit hole on some of my stuff, but it's usually interesting side topics that I'm like, okay, this, I'm just going to touch on this real quick. I'm not going to go down that Yeah, that's that a rebel. whole episode that yeah, I yeah, don't want to do. Yeah, no. Oh, my. No. But Mokele Mbembe is allegedly, from the descriptions, looks like a small apatosaurus or brontosaurus, whatever. Brach- Brachiosaurus. Brontos was the was the invented one. Like it was. Yeah, Bronto. Brachiosaurus is the tall one. Apatosaurus is the name for the Bronto now. Yes. Yes. And a patasaurus looks- is you know very like a yeah, more, more horizontal. Brachiosaurus more Brach- vertical. Yeah, Brachiosaurus has brachios- that curve up into yeah. the long neck. So, yeah. Anyway. It's like a miniature version of that. A sauropod. Yeah. A sauropod. Thank you. It's because my computer loads again. <laughs> um, it's supposedly it lives in, um, and I'm going on what I can gather before my computer restarts again. Reportedly cited in Lake Benguelu. Benguelu. I'm butchering these names. I'm familiar more with Lake Tele, but... Yeah. Well, a couple then. We'll worry about that one later. Yeah. So the first reported site of, um, I'm just going to call it Mokele. Mokele is good enough. Comes from German captain. Oh boy, if you thought my African was bad. <laughs> Ludwig Freherr von Steinzu Lassonitz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> you're doing terrific. As does. Oh, oh boy. Captain Ludwig, first sighted by Captain Ludwig, as described by Willie Lee in the book The Lungfish and the Unicorn. The Lungfish and the Unicorn. Lion, Witch, of the Wardrobe, Lungfish and the Unicorn. Fair enough, fair (laughs) enough. I can't wait to read that story. Von Stein was ordered to conduct a survey of German colonies in what is now modern-day Cameroon in 1913. Okay. Um, He had been hearing stories from the locals... Of enormous reptile called Mokele Membe, alleged to live in the jungles and swamps surrounding the area. Yeah. Uh, does does the name Mokele Mbembe actually mean anything? Um, yes, it does. I don't know though, because I forgot to look that up. <laughs> I, I still remember it, and it's one of those names that doesn't leave my head. It was he who blocks the flow of rivers. That's it. I had that written down too. <laughs> I, I bet you money I had that written down. You had it written down, didn't you? I had you? it written down. <laughs> Tony has his laptop as well as a notebook right next to and him. And I forgot to have the notebook. <laughs> um, At least you had a backup in the event that your laptop was going to go down. Which time? Exactly. <laughs> but Von Stein was the first one to report anything um, via that book, I guess. Or, no, Willie Lee wrote down his descriptions of the sighting. After, okay, yeah. I know what I'm talking about. That's a few names here. Yeah. 
included this in von Stein included a description in his official report. According to Willie Lay, von Stein worded his report with utmost caution, utmost caution, knowing it might be seen as unbelievable. Uh-huh. So he, assuming this thing is real in this scenario, von Stein had the wherewithal to realize this is so ludicrous. I'm going to have to make sure I'm not making, you know, I have to make sure I get all the details. Yes. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the description of this thing via the Longfish and the Unicorn description of what Von Stein wrote. Okay. So, quote, Von Stein. The animal is said to be of a brownish-gray color with a smooth skin. Its size is approximately that of an elephant, at least that of a hippopotamus. It is said to have a long and very flexible neck and only one tooth, but a very long one. Some say it is a horn. A few spoke about a long, muscular tail like that of an alligator. Canoes coming near it are said to be doomed. The animal is said to attack the vessels at once and to kill the crews without eating the bodies. The creature is said to live in the caves that have been washed out by the river and the clay of its shores at sharp bends. And it is also said to climb the shores even at daytime in search of food. Its diet is said to be entirely vegetable. This feature disagrees with the possible explanation as a myth. The preferred plant was shown to me as kind of a liana with large white blossoms with a milky sap and apple-like fruits. At the Sasumba River, I was shown a path said to have been made by this animal in order to get at its food. The path was fresh and there were plants of the described type nearby. But since there were too many tracks of elephants, hippos, and other large mammals, it was impossible to make out a particularly spore with any amount of certainty. Unquote. Hmm. So, he already, like I said, he already knew that this was going to be preposterous sounding to people. But he's backing it up with, no, I went there. Everything is checking out. The food source, the way it eats, the way it sleeps, everything was lining up. But I had no evidence other than eyewitness reports from villagers and locals. Interesting. So credit where credit's due. And being a German, he did his work. He he did his he did his due diligence on studying it. So kind of the the tooth thing is where it's like like it's a it like it's a horn. So what like a, I come I, to think of, there's a boar. Or a type of a breed of pig in, I want to say the Philippines, Papua New that area. I know the type of pig you're talking the about. The ones that the tusks curl up and then eventually they poke through the skull and kill it. If they don't break the tusks, yeah. yes. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that sort of situation. Like it curves up like a rhino horn or like that boar, but it's a tooth. That's like the narwhal. Yeah, or the narwhal. The narwhal's horn that we were familiar with is actually a modified tooth. Yep. That's quite the description. I don't ever... I knew that it was a sauropod-looking creature, but I always thought it was a reddish creature, Mm -hmm. and it did not have a horn. I just thought it was... But, uh, okay. That's actually fascinating. So, I, I, I say all that... And give credit where credit's due. And then the coin gets flipped. Ah, boy. However, despite all that, despite what Stein was, von Stein was reported to say, however, according to Brian Dunning, in a 1929 German book by science author Wilhelm 
Bolschke called Dragons, Legends, and Science. Bolschke wrote that Von Stein clearly believed that the creature described was not an actual animal, but instead nothing more than local folklore. So. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, amp everyone up and then just tear them down. I mean, let's, they, they were like, this might be possible. They were also skeptical about it, yeah. which I'm like, that's actually the, the proper mindset, I would have to argue. So, according to German adventurer Lieutenant Paul Gratz, account from 1911 and this is sort of to back up that von stein was like entertaining the idea just to keep the the colonists happy like oh yes no your government will will go investigate for you it's yeah it's not real it's not you know according to lieutenant paul gratz's account the crocodile was found only in very isolated specimens in lake bengawalu except in the mouths of the large rivers at the north. In the swamp lived the Nasanga, much feared by the natives, a degenerate saurian which one might well confuse with the crocodile were it not that its skin has no scales and its toes are armed with claws. I did not succeed in shooting a Nasanga, but on the island of Mbawala, I came by some strips of its skin. So... You've got two German adventurer, colonel, you know, military figures, both saying that they saw stuff, but then sort of saying, eh, but did we? So, this one's, I call this one the big hitter of all these um, lost dinosaurs because it's been the most recorded and the well, most well recorded. Yeah, no. outside of you know the photos for like the giant Congo snake. Yeah, this is one that absolutely captured. This one absolutely it was captured. that turn of century. It's sort of like Loch Ness. It was that turn of the century. My God, there are monsters out there. Yes, mentality. And I actually remembered when I I kind of actually remember when I first learned about the Mokeli Mbembe. It was uh, we talked about this a couple a few episodes ago in uh, Chupacabra mm-hmm. uh, from the the online web game that I used to play called Steppenwolf, the X creatures project. One of them actually featured one of them. The first monster that you encounter is the, uh, Mokeli Mbembe, which I sent you a photo because it reminds me of that. This one has some, uh, creative, creative liberties, mind you. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it is, but it very much resembles a sauropod dinosaur with, yeah. With the horns. I actually know what it does look like. It looks like, um, uh, a Margarosaurus. It's an Argentinian sauropod. I know the one you're talking about with the big frills with the on it. Yes. Yeah. So, creative liberty, but not really, because it's actually close to one. I think that one was discovered in like 91, 92. Give, so. give or take. This yeah. was in the early 2000s, the, what I just said. Then there was also, uh, crap, I forgot what the book was called, but it was a book that I read when I was a kid, uh, like Cryptid or something. Yeah. And, um,. It followed this. Uh, it followed these um, two uh, kids who go to be who go live with their uncle, and the uncle says, "We're going to the Congo to track down a a Mokeli Mbembe." Yeah. Well, but to get away, to stop this uh, rival uh, big game hunter type character. Yeah. I'm like, and the creature was very real, and there was a bunch of twists and turns, and I was like, "Wow." And to touch on that. You know, you know, monsters are real phase of human history. 
Um, it was the early 1900s. Dinosaurs were really starting to become, you know, come into the public light. Uh-huh. That's when the Brontosaurus was, you know, booming. So the theory is that because that was the most popular dinosaur of the time, the cultural trend was turning this thing into, oh, yeah, it was a sauropod. It was... Is your it was your favorite dinosaur that anyone you know that everyone saw in Africa in this far off land that you will never see, you know. Cultural um, input on that, but several several documented expeditions have been sent out to to find this thing to find evidence of it, and I'm just going to touch on a few of them. 1980 and 1981. Uh huh. Um, explorer Henry Powell and biologist Rory Mackle visited the Congo Ranger region and interviewed native residences. Residencies didn't find any direct physical evidence, but everything was coming up consistent. Same description, same plants, same you know everything. Everything was claiming support that this thing was still alive, still existing. And Mackle in 87 published a book detailing his expeditions about it. He admitted that everything was kind of tingled with some romanticism, but he also insisted he had serious scientific intent. And I think everyone does at that point, but, you know, that line, that blurry line between romanticism and intent gets yeah real fuzzy real quick unlike that one dude in scotland no that one irishman who's got a webcam set up on lock rice no he's going full board with it. no full i truly do believe that there are a lot of people who do these expeditions like they legitimately are scientifically curious like if it would be something really cool to find it'd be like yeah this is this is, you know, a thought to be long lost. You want lost. your name to go down in the history books finding something that impressive. Well, you find the dinosaur, you find a dinosaur or another lost civilization or anything like that, yeah. you're going down in the history books. Yeah. But the flaw was, it was, it got turned into this romanticized trip, yeah. this expedition. And Mackle wasn't exactly trained for finding animals. Like, he, he was actually formally trained in virology. And viruses, yeah, not animals. Okay, yeah. which some people could argue. I, I would, I would argue to a point. I mean, but if you see a dinosaur that's living and breathing at you, you're gonna know it's a dinosaur. I mean, if it looks like a duck and walks Arts. like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's a platypus. <laughs> but some people argued that since his specialty was virology, he wasn't qualified to identify large animals. Which, yes, but. If I see an elephant, it's a fucking look, elephant. It's an elephant. <laughs> um, I'm also gonna, I'm also gonna, you know, try to run and hide because you don't want to be around a, some elephants, especially bulls. Yeah. And furthermore, Mackle was dismissive of the African population who denied knowledge of Mokele. So he was, he was hearing what he wanted to hear. Anyone, any of the natives are like. And that's not where he was like, I don't hear you, la 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 la. I've got the Picard facepalm going on right now. Yeah. Um, oh, God. So, and then again, uh, another one, zoologist Marcelin Aganaga said he took film of the Mokele in 83, but the footage didn't develop properly, mysteriously, I'm sure. Uh-huh, there's always that, too. Obviously, that's been described as suspicious. Sus. No, 
noting critical details of the account have changed and none of it has been supported by other witnesses. And when the, when your account is changing and you have no evidence to support this, yeah. yeah. And then circle back around, Scottish explorer William Billy Gibbons led two expeditions in 85 and 92. But he's been questioned because he was not following basic scientific principles and was also noted as a creationist. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on. <laughs> yeah. And then 21st century, there's been three major expeditions of note. In 2001, BBC broadcast had a TV series, Congo, which was a collective interview with a group of Biaka pygmies who identified the Mokele as a rhino while looking at an illustrated manual of wildlife. I actually, mm -hmm. I remember watching part of that. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, it makes the description, it, you know, yeah. size, the size and color, and may not have the head, but, but, it do, but it does have that large horn. But the rub on that is neither species of African rhino that were identified were common in the Congo Basin. Interesting. So, the BBC series kind of summed it up as the Mokele Mimbebe may be a mixture of mythology and folk memory when rhinos were found in the area. I could believe that because yeah. the migration, deforestation, population movement. Mm -hmm. Folkloric memory, folk memory is very much something oh, that yeah. still remains with all of us and different, different cultures have it. Hell, even, even modern times, there are still some things that we treat as, oh, this totally is a thing. But then you go and it's like, oh, no, it's not. Yeah. I um, I have a couple of examples, but those examples will be more set for um, an episode we have coming up. Yeah. Um, in 2016, so even closer to modern time, travel documentary crew from South Africa made a documentary about searching for Mokele which they later sold to Discovery Africa, the team spent roughly four weeks in the Likuala Swamp region visiting the various pygmy villages, collecting stories. Um, they point out the difficulty of differentiating between a Mokwele Membe's metaphysical and physical existence. Yeah, Again, boy. going into that folklore memory. Um, while they interviewed people who believed in his presence and said, yes, this is real, Others were saying that died at least a decade ago. A decade. So, um, again, my main culprit would be a rhino that may have been displaced, may have just, you know, like, I'm going to chill here, and became the sort of demigod because maybe it was like a rogue bull or a male rhino that was aggressive and was territorial. Maybe. And then the last one worth noting is in 2018... Adam Christopher, Christopher Kunth, Nunth, along with a film crew from the Danish radio and from Danish radio and a DNA scientist, traveled to Lake Tele in Congo in search of Mokele. Didn't find any dinosaurs, but they found a new species of green algae. There you go. That's something, I guess. But like I just said, um, with the descriptions, I'm gonna go rhino. It rhino or bad. even or hell even some type of 
or even a hippo of some accord. Yeah, could be. be yeah, with those tusks. If it opens its mouth, and that's all you see. And I mean, also hippos are incredibly dangerous. They're very territorial. They will sink they boats. They are the most dangerous animal in Africa. Mm-hmm. Like it's not lions or tigers or bears or, or crocodiles. Or, yeah, it's it's the fucking hippos. Hippos eat crocodiles for lunch. Yeah, no. So like that truly. Uh, so it, it, it could be one of those big animals like that. That yeah. Or but yeah, I would. Or hell, I'd even go off of an elephant. I mean, with having saying the head does the thing. Oh yeah, I didn't think. The, yeah, I mean, it pos- have, yeah, could have been just a rogue, a rogue, a rogue bull male. A rogue bull that definitely became this ghost of a creature. Yeah. But to touch on the discussion end of it, living fossils bringing animals back to life for a Jurassic type, Jurassic Park type scenario. Because I know there's actually, I think it's in. It was in Russia last I recall. Maybe it might be Siberia, Mongolia. But um, that super well-preserved um, baby mammoth. Yes. They broke the genome on it. Whoa. They're actually replicating its DNA, and they're I think they're going to inseminate an Asian elephant with it. They're literally, I mean, they're right there. Within our lifetime, if it goes well, we'll have mammoths. Or a mammoth. I think that, I mean, I would think that'd be kind of cool, but I mean, we also have a bunch of, we also have a few movies where <laughs> there's, there's a, 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 there's reasons why we don't do this. There's, there's, there's things where you're not supposed to really mess with it. I mean, uh, you, you were too worried about if your scientists could, you never thought to think should. Yeah, no. Quote like, the great Dr. Ian Malcolm. No, I mean, I will say this, like I'm all, I, I'm all for the, um, for that type of stuff, because I think it would be cool to see some of that, see some of these, you know, prehistoric creatures brought back to life, so to speak. But also, it's the fact, a mammoth would be really easy to do, because mammoths, they were around a few thousand, they were around several thousand yeah, years ago. We when, exist in the same plane of existence. So it would be point. it would be possible to easily extract a mammoth. Yeah. Dinosaurs would be more difficult just due to the half-life of, just due to the half-life of their, um... Their DNA and their, the fossiling. Their hemoglobin and the yeah. DNA inside. It would, it, there would be very minimal to almost nothing left by this time, by this point. Yeah. And so... I'm, despite everything that goes in my brain and how much I want it, I am absolutely anti-Jurassic Park. You know, that just bringing animals back. To quote Pet Cemetery, dead is better sometimes. I would, I mean, have, I would have to agree. I mean, it, because we, we saw, we legitimately had a movie franchise and books written that, Obviously, all fictional, mind you. Yeah. But, but this was the. But this was what if this really cool idea went bad fast? Yeah, and that's exa- And it would happen exactly like that. Like you would get overzealous investors just wanting you to churn out some monster, and there would also- and you just throw things at the genome for it to make it fit. And let's not forget. Let's not forget competition. Because there would be severe competition, like Ngen was Ngen, and then uh, what was Maserati the, Corporation? 
that, I think was the, the Jurassic World not, one. That that was that they they bought InGen. Oh, okay. What was what was the competition for InGen? I don't remember. Crap, that was in they they put an episode two, but that was that was Hammond's really um unscrupulous. Yeah, the unhinged end. Like like legitimately, the people who have no scruples were just strictly greedy. Yeah. Like Dennis Nedry, he was he was he was getting paid to sabotage. Like that yeah. is very possible in these situations. And that's honestly, I wasn't even thinking about adding the human factor into it. But yeah, competition over the rights because you know there'd be lawsuits and there'd be courts about it over oh. the rights of these animals. Oh hell, it's like the when... ineptitude of building like if you don't build a wall or a fence that's strong enough to hold back you know a 30 foot tall multi-ton animal t-rex you're gonna have a bad time uh-huh i mean that's not even saying the brachiosaurs were i think 75 foot tall yeah there's not you don't i you don't you can't there's nothing i mean it hell and it'd also be it's, you say on the rights, it's also who would be like sponsoring it. Like when yeah. like when Jurassic World became out, uh Claire, she says T Mobile presents. Yeah. And like Like who's stop I mean, if that's sponsored. the point, then we could be one of like the tiny sponsors on like the ankle of the Indominus Rex. Exactly. Like, I mean but I mean not even that, but the animal end of it. I've done some research into it, and I know it's on both ends of the spectrum on this, but there are theories that Earth back in the day, because of the amount of plants, the oxygen intake versus outtake or output was a 30% difference than what it is now. Oh, no. Absolutely. So these creatures would need 30% more oxygen just to function than we can, than the world can literally supply right now. Oh yeah, no, this actually makes me. We're definitely not going into more pop culture stuff here, but that's fine. This is we're in a discussion. No, portion I, of this I, one. I wanted, I want I strictly, I want to discuss this real world. This, this how would this not work? I'm now popping into, I'm now popping into a bunch of different pop cultures here, like Jurassic Park. We're gonna obviously filter into. Oh yeah, that's everything. the biggest part. It, that's the biggest the, input the, of it. One thing. But but then the size of it. You mentioned that, that you mentioned that how it was thirty percent different. This makes me think of the movie Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. because the 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 aliens, the yeah, the, the, interna- the international beings are coming from another. They tried to come when the dinosaurs were around, but our, but it wasn't terraformed to their liking because they need more po- more pollution in the air, like what we've done now. Yeah. We terraformed it for them, is what it says in the movie. And I'm like, that would make. That right there just popped into my head. And then also, kind of another thing, we all know these dinosaurs as being these big, scary, lizard-looking creatures. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be like that. T-Rex would probably look like a giant, colorful chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Like this big king lizard creature that I have... That I have... That I have, you know, has been my favorite dinosaur from a young age. It would just be this giant, colorful chicken, and I can actually s- kind of see how it would move a little bit, like a yeah. like a damn chicken, just moving its well, head I mean, around. The la- the latest Jurassic Park movie, um, Dominion, they had that like five minute intro scene that they cut out of the film of prehistoric Rexy, yeah, the main 
for people who don't do Jurassic Park, Rexy is the main T Rex. Is the T Rex in this in the She's series? She's the one that is yeah through all of it. Yeah, but they have ancient Rexy with feathers, not like you know not a rainbow, but like dull brown feathers, like almost like a down, but like she, duckling down. And it would make sense because if it was a female, because females in bir- most birds are or dull, are, are dull colors. And the males are colorful. Yes. Yeah. But that explains me now. <laughs> yeah, I won't talk about you. You're not a dinosaur. Yeah. No, well, but no, I am. you're thirty. You're you're old now. Welcome. I'm old now. Man. I'm thirty. I'm also an. I'm also a freaking. Yeah, my birthday's in three days. At the time um, of this recording. At the time of this recording. Um, but yeah, I mean, we would going back to filling the genome and the lack of DNA we would have. We wouldn't be able to tell what di- like if we did the amber, the mosquito and the amber resin, and then taking the frog DNA. We wouldn't know what dinosaur we were getting exactly until until it was born, and we would have to Hatch. guess. Like we we would have no idea what it was, and maybe we would. Maybe there's some science scientific way we're not aware of. Yeah, but we wouldn't have any idea what creature we were cloning. We'd have to fill in. Most of the gaps with modern day animals, which would, it would turn it from the traditional, what we think as a T-Rex, could turn into a giant frog, which I know you would love. Uh, it would ha- <laughs> it would have to very much be... I'm going to mention a frog every time you do a serial killer episode. <laughs> this is what that is. You know what, that's fair. <laughs> but I, I think you would have to take the DNA of... Didn't know other way to put this. Like simpler creatures, like yeah. again, frogs and birds, and lizards, perhaps even, just because that's the closest we have to relatives of the dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm this. I'm going to harp on the Indominus Rex and the Indoraptor in the movies because they are the easiest example to throw the darts at the wall on. Yeah, the Indominus was. A T-Rex, a Velociraptor, it had cuttlefish jelly or Cuddle, cut, DNA. Cuttlefish yeah. DNA. It had frog DNA. It had iguana DNA. That's a <sighs> cuttlefish, really. Like for the camouflage, I get that, but in in a movie sense, but logistically, that would destroy this creature. Oh yeah, like that would throw, unless you can slice. Just that camouflage aspect out, which maybe you can. Maybe you can therapy gene that out. There, isolate it. There, it there has been a recent thing, which we could actually get into whole this whole episode oh, yeah. about this uh, of of des- of quote unquote designer, designer DNA, designer DNA, yeah. like designer babies and that sort of yeah. thing. Well, and some of it's good because then you can find the genes that are you can isolate preemptive to cancer. You can, and you cut can them out. Isolate them, yeah. Which, that's great. But that's not... And it's, you know there, my family. My family loves dealing with cancer. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ethics behind it, it's though. It's a lot like, of ethics, and it's a lot of... For me, it'd be... That's not making the population stronger. That's making it weaker further down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean... Because if you cut it out, but you have one person that doesn't, and they breed and they have children you're reintroducing that whole that whole scenario again i mean i'll be honest my family with 
my family, my mother's side of the family, um, I lost my grandmother on, I lost my mom's mom to, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, so a neurological disorder. I lost my dad's mom, my nana, to um, Alzheimer's dementia. So neurological issues in my family are, there's a possibility. My family's, I mean, my my maternal grandmother was breast cancer. My father was brain cancer. I mean, my family loves that crap. No kidding. But, I mean... So to just genetically alter things out of existence at the microscopic level that you're doing, that's as book thumping as I may sound, that's not the natural order of things. Now, I mean, you could now, I mean, you could do selective breeding, mind you. Yeah, you can do selective breeding and that's not necessarily unnatural. It's just a force natural. Yes. And genome massaging the genomes and the and place marking things out is kind of a borderline on the other end but i digress mixing all these different dna combinations into one dinosaur like in the movie is a recipe for disaster you're going to have a lunacy of a creature I mean, like mentally unhinged, I'm sure. I mean, the creature wound up being mentally unhinged. Yeah. And that was more environment, more than geno- uh, genomic, but... Uh, I mean, I think it could have been subtle on the genome part. Oh, yeah, it could have been very much, because, I mean, it had Raptor and T-Rex, two very, according to humans, two very hyper-aggressive creatures. Not necessarily true, probably, but still. Nah, I would definitely say the the raptors, like Velociraptors, very much more pack animals, like yeah. wolves. But yeah. they were the size of turkeys. More turkeys, by the way. Thanks, ah, Damn it, there it is. <laughs> but they were the size of turkeys. Yeah. Like they were not these big Utah yeah, raptor-looking no. fuckers. They exactly. were exactly, these... and that's my. If you're listening, Jurassic Park writers, I hate you. Well, Velociraptors Michael... aren't that size. Michael Crichton, of course. Yeah, Crichton. Rest in peace. Oh, God, he's dead? He's been dead for years. Oh, well, I've been drinking since then. Fair enough. But, yeah, Utah Raptor is in Dionicus. Dionicus? Dionicus. Dionicus. I've been pronouncing that for years. That wrong. one's that, that one's. Those are closer one. to the actual size of what the Velociraptors are in Jurassic Park. Yeah. But, and that's exactly it. They, even with the original movies, that was the big issue was you're making monsters you're not making dinosaurs oh hell actually the thing is though the velociraptors in um in jurassic park Mm -hmm. they were created before the utah raptor was discovered yeah it was that is the first movie came out and then the utah raptor got discovered like two years later yeah that is called the dib effect yeah named after dib from a bug's life wherein what appears as a you know a fictional creature yeah, winds up being Fiction reality. Fiction becomes reality. It's such as Dib, the Dib from Bugs Life. There was no Rhino Beetle much like him until look at that. There actually is one. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite one. This is just so fucking. I love it. Scrat from Ice Age. Oh my god. Scrat. There actually were prehistoric fang squirrels back then. Jesus. Well, like little, more like little like weasel looking fucks. Yeah. But regardless, very similar to Scrat from Ice Age. Yeah. But. All of those issues in reality in our world, not not in Jurassic Park world, but in reality, would create such a a vacuum of chaos. 
Oh yeah. And I know I'm I'm sounding very Ian Mike or you're Ian going, Malcolm right now. You're but going chaos very, very. But chaos theory that would be the biggest dev effect right there is Ian Malcolm talks about it in the Jurassic Park movies. We make an actual Jurassic Park. Chaos Theory follows. I absolutely do agree with you on that one. Like I again, I think it would be cool to see these things it living would be again. So badass to see a live Giganotosaurus until it got tired of us and broke out. Exactly. Because you would. Ha- oh my god! I can't even imagine. I. What do you do with that? What I mean, do you do with a fifty foot? Tooth. As also as you said that they also wouldn't be as big as they used to be. No. They would very much be uh, smaller versions of what they would be. So they would, they would still be cool to look at, but they wouldn't be nearly as big as this a, is going to be a factor. weird reference. Oh God! Game of Thrones. Yes, with the dragons. Yeah, the first dragon that made landfall in Westeros. Um, I can't remember his name, but something the black. I know what you're talking about monster. Yes. Like 100 foot, it's like, like just Bal- gigantic. I think, I think it was Balerion. Balerion, yes. Balerion the Dread. Balerion the Dread. Huge, huge dragon. And you see and his skull. His skull's yeah. massive. His skull is the one in the in the dungeons. If you watch Game of Thrones or House of the Dragons, it is the giant skull in the, in the dungeons that Arya hides behind. Ah, hell. I think his head is about as... I think his head is about as big as... Uh, the room we're in right now bigger probably bigger but that's what they came to westeros with and then before the game of thrones show starts canonically chronologically the last dragon before drogon and the other two was the size of a house cat because of inbreeding because of limited food sources and genetics issues Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. If we were to breed these creatures back within a generation or two of human lifespan, because these things wouldn't live 25 years, I bet. No, they would very much They would very much go away about every maybe 20 to 30 years max. They would not but survive But the inbreeding long. that would be involved, because we would be stupid enough, we would mix it in with the toad from um, Jurassic Park that can turn male and female at a whim. Yes, we would we would probably do that because we saw it in the movie, so it must work. We would do that. These creatures would start to breed. They would start inbreeding, and eventually you would just get garbage, poor specimens, Gen- genetic truly, anomalies, truly, and genetic issues. Truly genetic, truly genetic garbage. Yes. So we would have the pugs of dinosaurs. Yes. I mean, pugs probably are, the size of pugs. Pugs are cute and everything, but they are a genetic monstrosity. They're gen- they gen- a genetic vet build, very much. Same as bulldogs. As much as I love bulldogs, uh, those are, but uh, and it's all the breeding and everything. Anyway, yeah. so I mean, to sort of wrap the episode up, as much as we would love to have a Jurassic Park and see. Woolly mammoths and woolly rhinos and T-Rex and Utah raptors, not velociraptors, Utah raptors, triceratops. You know, as much as as cool as it'd be to be able to drop my kid off at the petting zoo and have him ride a baby triceratops like in the movies, it wouldn't work. Nope. It wouldn't work genetically. It wouldn't work financially. Um, The human aspect would throw a massive monkey wrench into it. Could you imagine how how much 
money you would be having to spend on f- uh, on food alone. That's something else. The property. I was re- reading something, or I was watching a YouTube um, film theory with uh, Matt, Matt Pat. Matt Pat. Um, I love that guy. But he but was it's... doing an episode about why Jurassic Park wouldn't work. The the um, ethical range for a creature of a T of Rex's size, an ethical range for that creature to have, exhibit wise, five miles, five square miles. Good God! For one, no one is going to commit that much acreage to a animal unless they know their profits are bananas. Five square miles. Yes, yeah, because a lion, I believe he said, had to have like 75,000 square feet. Dude. Ethically. Dude. Five square miles is... That's an island. That's roughly the city of Norman. Yeah. Like, not to, not to, not to try to triangulate my you know, location, but that's the city of Norman. Yeah, that's... Because a... that... It would need just Rex would need just that much area. One animal. Good God! Yeah, no, the 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 so, There's no way because we see Rexy in these in this pen. I'm like, she's. I thought like I thought like you know an Australian Shepherd needed to have a lot of land. Right. Good God! So if that's one animal, the raptors being pack animals and being as you know, again, portrayed in the movies as fast and as mobile as they are, would probably be damn near the same equivalent. Like, they would need at least a few miles. They would need a few miles so they could run, jump, and And then hunt hunt, properly hunt. So, and then, of course, that's that's two exhibits. Best case scenario, that's seven and a half miles. And then, of course, you got to throw in the fact that if they want to hunt, what are you going to do? Are you going to send another dinosaur in? Are you going to send cows in? Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, or are you going to do like a... <laughs> or are you going to do like a freaking greyhound track and have like a like a whole pig on yeah. it and the raptors chase after it? Yeah. That'd be... I'd, I'd put money I, on that. Yeah, raptor I'd, raptor I'd, racing? I would absolutely throw yeah. some money in on that. Yeah, screw the horse races. I want to see the raptor racing. <laughs> the losers of the horse races. Good God. <laughs> but, I mean, just, yeah, just the logistics of running a park like that. That's 7.5 miles for two exhibits. Uh-huh. And no guarantee you're going to see those creatures. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, I mean... I mean, you could probably, like, strap GoPros and stuff and just have this big display wall so people can watch it. But I can watch Planet Dinosaur on YouTube for free. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I think Jurassic World, the first one, had, I want to say they had 15 different species of dinosaurs. Yes. So that's... We're talking like the of the new the new, yeah. the new franchise. Yeah, the new Jurassic franchise. World, the first yes, one. Yes, I want to make sure, because Jurassic Park only had a... Like seven Six, or eight. Yeah. Yeah. Jurassic World, I think they said they, in, you know, the notes and all the fan theory, they had like 15 species, including Indominus, which, holy Jesus, that's a whole different ballgame with that. Let's not. Mm-mm. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it sucks because I know it's never going to happen. Even if we develop that ability, 
to splice the genomes and the DNA of these creatures and bring them back, they're not going to look like how we picture them. They're going to be way smaller. Mm-hmm. The logistics of owning and running a park like that are going to be astronomically insane. You would, tr- you would truly be putting yourself in debt. Yeah, you'd be putting yourself in debt in hopes you could just break even. And then the thing is, how are you go? Who is your clientele? Yeah, because because you, you have to charge a buttload for t- for tickets just to break even. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you know where are you gonna put it? Yeah. Like, where's it gonna be? You're gonna have your own island, or yeah, you would have to because no government's gonna allow that. Because any if anything happened like in those movies, that's that's shut down immediately. They're oh just, yeah, they're gonna get people out and just they're gonna bring the fairy flag out. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice uh, drawback to uh, our previous episode on the fairy flag at so, But yeah, uh, uh, that that pretty much sums it up. I'd love to see dinosaurs, but we never will. It and if we it, do, it's not going to be good. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, it wouldn't be that nostalgia that we felt as a kid when we first saw. As much as you want to hear the Jurassic Park theme song playing in your head when you see it, it's yeah. not going to happen. It's it's gonna be lackluster. It's yeah. gonna be. It's gonna be the. It's recorder. gonna be the. Cause, yeah. It's gonna be the recording. It's gonna be. We <laughs> oh, and I yeah. ride to it. It's gonna be the. All right, that's enough. We're gonna get sued. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think we can. I think we can do that just fine. But, yeah. So that was my uh, my TED talk. <laughs> uh, this... my, my TED talk about dinosaurs. I love them, but no. <laughs> yeah. This was this was a good episode. Like yeah. I, I thought it was okay. I I. I seem to be the TED talker of this. Of Nothing this podcast, wrong with that. So. Like I think that this was I think it did well, man. Like yeah. I And I'd love like once our listeners get a hold of this one and the uh, the animal gigantism one, I'd love to hear about their opinions and their thoughts cuz I don't mind having argue well, not arguments, but like you, you love conversations. Having, yeah, like like a discourse, proper discourse. Yes, yes. You like I'm all for that as well. Like there's some topics I. So have. here's Tim's personal phone number, so he can reach me about oh, for it. Fuck's sake. <laughs> but there's there's are there. Are, I have got a couple. I've got a couple of topics. You know, in the in the wings, ready to go in the chambers. And um, I know for and I know that there's going to be some people who are going to say something like, "By all means, I am more than happy to yeah. listen and see what you have." And if you know. Bring sources, like proper sources. Got to pay attention to what you're looking at, reading everything, and yeah. go from there. Like, I w- I'm all for it because yeah. I'm all for n- And if we get enough people that complain, communicate with us about something, about one subject, I'm fine with doing an episode over and just doing like a rehash on it. I see, mon- I see no reason on that one. Yeah. And if Matt Pat or Josh Gates are listening, please give us money. We love you. <laughs> Ah. We love you. Tim will give you a hug. Consensually. I, I do give good hugs. I don't need to know that. I don't oh. want to know that. Dude. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. That, our next episode. Now, I'm just. It is going to be over some very extraordinary animals. These are animals that have, you know, made a name for themselves in history, so to speak. That I found very fascinating. So we're going to be covering a few of them next episode. So once again, everybody, thank you all for tuning in to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. He's not Tim, and I'm not Tony. That's correct. Exactly. Hope you learned something new today. I know I for sure as hell did with a lot of this. Plus, the discussion was, I think, a lot of fun. 
and please leave a drop leave a leave a drop leave a drop (laughs) (laughs) leave a comment drop a rate and review please tell your friends tell your family tell your dog and cat maybe your bird tell your your cuttlefish dinosaur talk to your parrot the parrot's gonna start talking like me you're gonna have fun with that for a while don't do that don't don't do that but either way either way word of mouth does help us out we really would appreciate it and you know Thank you once again. If you want, if you are interested, you know, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Tall and Short Podcast. You can't miss it. It's the it's our logo, the book with the you know, dead Don't. evil and whatever the dead what? dead um, dead inside. Don't open. Don't open. Dead like don't. That sound like dead. Don't. Yeah. Don't dead don't, open inside or some shit. I don't know. Don't need one of them. There's that one. It's a it's our logo. It's our logo. You can miss it. Or if you want to, you know, send you know send us suggestions that sort. Send us suggestions, story, you know, nice little updates and everything. Send us an email at tallandshortpod at gmail dot com. Send a complaint how Tim's beard looks for funny. Oh, for Pete's sakes, get off, <laughs> get off, get off that about my beard. But once again, everybody, thank you for listening. Hope. If you if you celebrate Thanksgiving once again, we hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving. Have all some good food and some good time, and you know, be sure to stay tuned in for more tall and short. Bye.